listening to Impact Sports Daily, WDBM's daily rundown of all things sports. Welcome to Impact Daily Sports. It's currently Thursday, October 21st. I'm your host, Jacob Phillips, joined by my friend Gavin O'Connor. Gavin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good, Jacob. How are we doing? I'm doing well. Uh, let's get started. There was a kind of a breaking story over the past couple of days with the uh, Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa, their quarterback. Uh, there are talks that Miami is potentially looking to go after Deshaun Watson from Houston. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, this is a super interesting story, and I'm curious how it's going to turn out because when's the deadline? Uh, November? Yeah, I mean, it's coming up really soon. Yeah. So they, they really have to put in some work. And uh, I know everything that seems to be coming out about this story seems really frantic. And, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge for them would be to get to that deadline. I really think it's unfair to, to Tua. I don't think he's really had a fair shot in Miami. Yeah. So, so what are your feelings on Tua at, on my, at Miami? So I really like him in Miami. I wasn't a huge fan of him when he started. I thought it was a mistake to let Ryan Fitzpatrick go. Because why would you give up a veteran quarterback to start someone agree. that, you know, hasn't gotten a full season in the NFL yet? Yeah, uh, yeah. He was injured last season. He was injured this season. He just came back. Uh, actually, he lost to Jacksonville, but he put up a stellar performance. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think it's still kind of unfair for Miami to constantly look to try and swap out quarterbacks without giving Tua a fair chance at this point. See, but that's the thing with Tua, where I kind of. I kind of get with Miami where Tua, throughout college, his whole career, he has been very injury-prone. So you ask, is he the is that where Miami wants to go? Do they want to base their future entirely on Tua, who is extremely injury-prone, in case, instead of Deshaun Watson, who, you know, proven top-five quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's a good point, is that, Tua might not necessarily be the face of the Miami Dolphins franchise in the future. Um, you know, I just think it's he he just hasn't gotten a full season of Miami yet. And so I'm really surprised that they're yeah. just constantly trying to, you know, swap in, swap out different quarterbacks to see rather than building a program up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily think Tua is the problem in Miami. Certainly being injury prone is a huge issue. But I mean, looking at his fantasy points and his overall stat performance over the past, you know, over his past games, especially when they went to London and faced Jacksonville, even though they lost, he put up a stellar performance. Yeah. I was really impressed. No, no, he was solid. I have him on fantasy, so I wasn't. Yeah, I'm, I made the unfortunate decision to bench him because I didn't think he would do well, and that, yeah. that came back to bite me in the butt yeah, a little same bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Now, with the Tua trade, they're, so they're looking to go after Deshaun Watson from Houston, who has wanted out of Houston for... I think at least two years now. Uh, they've basically sat him on the bench. He's essentially refusing to play for Houston at this point. Yeah. And I think they really should get rid of him as soon as possible. I think more interesting, though, is that this is shaping up to be a potential three-way trade with them giving Tua to someone like Denver or Washington, I think are the two biggest contenders. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about him going to Denver or Washington. Uh, I know that he could provide some of that talent Washington needs, but he he definitely doesn't have the leadership they need. And yeah. Denver, I just don't know if he's a fit for Denver. So yeah, I've heard Washington was the most uh, the most I've talked about in the three way trade, which I would be fascinated about, especially in terms of you know, the giveaway Heineke. You assume? Yeah, um, I don't. 
I would assume that they would trade away Ryan Fitzpatrick. As much as I like Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. and thought that he should stay in Miami, I think he's certainly past his prime. He's got sure, some yeah. good leadership and insight, but he can't carry a franchise. And I think you saw that in Miami. He couldn't carry them very far. Yeah. Uh, but he was this great person to sit a rookie behind, like Tua, to try and get him to learn. Of course, Miami didn't see it that way, and they traded him away. Uh, I think yeah. it would be a little uh, an interesting turn of events if Washington gets yet another Dolphins quarterback that still doesn't necessarily fit their what they're shaping their identity to look like. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't see. I don't see that happening with Fitzpatrick, just because for the reason you mentioned his draft stock compared to especially Watson. Uh, and at the end of the uh, day, I think Fitzpatrick's name still sells jerseys for whatever franchise he's in. Yeah, yeah. What I found most interesting was um how much how much Houston was a- asking for the uh, trade. They want three first three first round draft picks or two second round draft picks plus players. Um, yeah. and you're talking about a player that does not. Everyone knows he doesn't want to play for Houston. He doesn't want to be there. And obviously, top five quarterback. He's you're gonna have to give away a good, you know, a yeah. good amount to get him. But that's that seems like a lot. Houston has made some really questionable decisions in the past few years. Deshaun Watson, of course, doesn't want to play for them. Is sitting. They have him benched, but they're asking so much they don't want to let him go for some odd reason. And yeah. yet they let J.J. Watt go, who was Mr. Yeah. Houston for the longest time. I mean, he could have run for governor, like the mayor of Houston, and won. <laughs> Yeah, by yeah. a landslide, and they they let him go in a heartbeat to Arizona, and I mean I think they Arizona has shown that JJ Watt is still has plenty of leadership and talent to really shape up a strong defense. Of course, they're the yeah. only undefeated team in the NFL right now. So I think Houston. I mean, what is just what is going on? Yeah, yeah. If if you're the the Houston front office, you kind of have to sit back and ask yourself, are we doing the right thing at this point? Yeah. So, uh, no, moving absolutely. on. Moving on to uh, Thursday night football, we've got the Broncos at Cleveland tonight. Both are three and three. Uh, I know the Browns are in a little bit of a tough spot. Yeah. So who who do you got in this game? Uh, normally, I would take Cleveland because I like the way Baker Mayfield's been shaping up. But of course, Baker Mayfield's out. Uh, Odell's out. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt—they're all out. The yeah. List of injuries goes on for the Browns. So I think at this point, you gotta pick Denver. Uh, I mean, Cleveland is basically playing with their second stringers at almost every key position at this point. Yeah. See, I I totally agree. Normally, I go Browns one hundred percent. Yeah. But with how with how big the um the Browns offense is based around their running game, yeah, I do not see them. Even though the you know the Broncos the Broncos uh, offense has enough problems in and of itself, they're five and fourteen on third downs on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I agree that just Cleveland bases so much around, you know, you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, two really impressive running backs in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And both are injured this week. So you have to immediately start your third string running back, which is yeah. immediately just lessening your offensive threat to the Broncos. Yeah. And you've got one of your star wide receivers out. You got your quarterback out. It, it is just a, a dumpster fire this week and I think if you're Cleveland you just kind of got to bite the bullet except that you're probably going to lose this week you know yeah. still try of course this is football we don't want to ever give up but 
you know, if you lose, you, you accept the fact that you were dealt a really bad hand to begin with and you move on. Hope to get Baker out. I know that there were talks about him possibly needing surgery on his shoulder. Uh, you know, that might lead him to be out for a couple weeks. Yeah. Obviously not a good situation. But, you know, it's not quite uh, red alert for the Browns yet. Yeah. So we'll see. see. Um, And that's the thing. Just one, I don't see the Broncos losing, you know, three-game losing streak. I don't see them losing four in a row, especially in uh, week five. Since week five, uh, the Browns have given up the most points in the NFL. Really interesting stat right. And their three wins, their defense has given up 34 points. Their three losses, 117. Um, clearly not a good trend uh, for the Browns. And with the way their offense is going to be looking this this week, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I was I was really looking forward to Cleveland being back in the playoffs this year. And it's still a little yeah. early to tell, but Absolutely. With, with the injuries shaping up, you know, like you said, their defense really dropping the ball here. Uh, I th- I think Cleveland takes a step backwards this year. And it's really yeah. shameful to see. You know, I, I really was hoping that, you know, the Browns have put in a lot of work over the last three, four years. Oh, yeah, it's it's awesome to see. I'm a huge fan just because of that. Um, And, I mean, you look at their offense. Just in terms of personnel, it's just such such a stacked team, you know? Yeah, to, um, to, to have so many top-tier players out really is yeah. just – bad luck yeah on the um on the broncos side how do you feel about uh the broncos taking terry bridgewater over drew lock this year i don't know how i feel about that i haven't followed the broncos too closely uh you know they're, they're not anywhere near my division uh and so i haven't really looked at them but you know i i always consider the, the broncos are just a like a, a mediocre team to me um although yeah I think if they make the right decisions, take advantage of, you know, Cleveland's negative momentum, I think they really could start making a name for themselves this season. Um, you know, maybe get yeah. that wild card spot, but I, I don't think much of what they've got to deal with in general is going to lead them any further than that. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't see, especially, I love Terry Bridgewater as a guy. I think he's a solid quarterback, but Drew Locke is the future like a franchise, and the only reason they had Bridge, uh, Bridgewater above him is essentially because Drew Locke's problem with ball security. But on Sunday, I think uh, Bridgewater had three picks and a fumble. So, and I, don't, I don't see the Broncos making the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's time to for changing the guard in Denver. I think, uh, you know, you throw three picks in one game, and you really start a got – you really got to start looking at your, uh, your quarterback situation at that yeah. point. yeah. So, moving on, we got Detroit versus the Los Angeles Rams this weekend. Uh, I know I talked a yeah. little bit about this on Tuesday. Uh, you know, Detroit is so it, – it's such a bad situation to be in. Uh, being a Green Bay fan, I like seeing my division rivals not do well. But being an, a football fan in general, it just it's, it's not a fun sight to see Detroit <laughs> go out there, play solid halves of football – and continue to struggle. It's so hard. It, yeah. You know, you want them to just win one game. Uh, do I think this is it? Absolutely not. No way. I, th- I think this is the game that really, you know, puts into perspective letting Matt Stafford go. I, yeah. I think it, it's his, you know, vindication game. It's the, you let me go 
to Los Angeles, and I'm going to show why that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel bad for Dan Campbell. Uh, I think he's got a really good vision for the team, and I think he can really build this team up to be a contender in the NFC North. But he's really got to just struggle through this season and hope to get some good draft picks and offseason roster moves that yeah. can get some talent on board to really bolster the offensive strategy. I think that starts with the wide receivers, but I think you really got to look yeah. at replacing Jared Goff. Even though it's his first season in Detroit, I think Jared Goff is part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think the Lions, I don't see Jared Goff as the issue. Um in terms of receiving, like you said, I think uh them losing Kenny Galladay, I think that's an underrated an underrated loss uh to the Lions, but there are problems all over the team, and it's just it's so hard coming here and seeing the uh, seeing Lions fans have hope every year and just it being. I think it's fair to say that we can label the Lions as the hardest working team in the NFL because they have so little talent. They really have to just work <laughs> on strategy yeah. and basics just to even compare to teams like the Buccaneers, yeah. that are loaded with talent. Yeah, the, the hardest-working losers in the NFL, Detroit yeah. Lions. So I, I wish the Lions the best. You know, Hopefully in two, three years we see Dan Campbell really reform this team. Uh, I just think that this year is going to be one of the years where, as a Lions fan, you got to tough it out and uh, be in the position that Cleveland Browns were in You know, five, six years ago. Yeah. Uh, this weekend we've also got Green Bay versus Washington. Uh, you know, we already talked a little bit about Washington maybe looking at picking up Tua. Uh, overall, I think Washington just struggles with an identity crisis. You know, if you ever talk to Washington fans, they're always like, oh, we've got great offensive talent. Taylor Heineke's the future. Yeah. But if you take a step back, Heineke is a filler position. I think he can't lead your team any more than a wild card spot. Maybe you get the division, but Dak Prescott yeah. this season has shown that that's not really an option anymore. Uh, and I think that, that you've got good talent. You need a better quarterback to lead them. Yeah. Fitzpatrick's well, not that guy because he's injury prone. And Heineke, is just, he doesn't have that experience as a leader. So, but what do you, let's say he picks up the experience. What do you not like about Heineke? Heineke just seems like a lot of his touchdowns, like a lot of the points he scores are when he rushes the ball himself. Yeah. And whether or not that's a wide receiver core issue or a, an issue with his ability to throw is up for debate. You know, Washington fans will say, oh, he can throw and say, oh, we've got fantastic wide receivers. Terry McLaurin's one of the best in the NFL. But then you don't see these, you know, bombs thrown downfield yeah. for touchdowns like Russell Wilson does. So obviously yeah. there is a disconnect between the wide receiver core and the quarterback throwing ability. No, I agree. Solid quarterback, but, I mean, you look at the trade, he's, he's no Deshaun Watson. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Deshaun Watson. I think his stats, his stats look good, but I don't really? think he can, I don't think he can lead a team, uh, you know, but I might be wrong. We haven't seen Deshaun Watson in action for, That's at, at all this season, essentially. I think he might have started one game because they had uh, Tyrod injured, and I think they're, they're backup injured, but 
I don't think it, it's really a struggle for Washington to find a quarterback. I think for as long as I can remember, Washington has struggled to find a solid quarterback like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Quarterbacks that teams and franchises are centered on. Washington, you know, even before I was around, has not had that position. Yeah. They have not been able to center a franchise around one quarterback. Yeah. And when they have had a solid quarterback, it didn't last, you know. Yeah, I, I still think it was a, a horrible decision to let Kirk Cousins go. Uh, yeah. Was he going to get you to a Super Bowl? No. But was he going to get you your division? Probably. I had a good chance. Uh, he's been, Kirk Cousins has been nice this year. Yeah. And I, I think Kirk Cousins with the Vikings, he's, he's not, they're not going to win the division. I think Green Bay puts up too much of a fight. Uh, it's been a struggle yeah. of a year. I'll admit that. I'll be the first to admit that. But I think the Vikings just don't have the capability to overtake that NFC North spot. You know, there, there's yeah. always the, you know, beware the trap game, but I just don't see it. Uh, of course, yeah. And, I mean, against Green Bay, I, I agree. So, uh, we also got the Giants facing the Panthers this weekend. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I know we were talking a little bit before this. You said you're a Giants fan. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a rough two years at this point. It's it's been a rough six years. <laughs> you know, every every year, I think the past six seasons, Giants have started zero and two. And this what's so upsetting. I feel like a Lions fan where I actually had hope for once this season because you know you look. I liked our draft, and you look at you look at our offense. We have Saquon coming back, our receiving core, Kadarius Turnt. Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Layton just picked up Kenny Galladay. It's like our offense, if we had our offensive line in check, and I've always been, I like Daniel Jones, should be one of the filthiest offense offenses in the NFL. Um, it hasn't panned out that way. You know, Saquon's taking time getting back, injured again, and now uh, Darius Layton, Darius Layton, Kadarius Tony, um, who else? Uh, and Galladay, all injured. You know, so who do we have? Sterling Shepard, who's coming back off injury. It's the one piece of an offense we have. Yeah, and Daniel Jones expected to be back this week. Um, I've I've been a fan of Daniel Jones. You know, he's not, you know, a Josh Allen, but he's someone that I think, uh, very similar to Kirk Cousins, you can build your franchise around him uh, and really get a solid B-level offense where you're able to contend for your division especially in the nfc east i think yeah. all those teams are relatively even yeah uh i think dak prescott kind of being the exception leading dallas to you know be a powerhouse this year no one expected him to come back off such a bad ankle injury yeah i i really think uh the giants are you know very similar to cleveland and the lions where you've just got a tough situation yeah and i mean that's the thing with uh danny dimes here you really don't know his ceiling. You don't know his potential because his first two seasons, they weren't, you know, they were kind of, no one expected the Giants to be good the past two seasons, especially last season, Saquon getting injured. He didn't have, the offensive line was terrible. That goes back to, um, that goes back to Eli Manning um, where everyone thought he was, you know, trash at the end of his career. Meanwhile, the, the Giants haven't had a good old line since, <laughs> since they won a Super Bowl, you know. Yeah, um, I'd be really and, interested to check back in on New York in like five years. 
yeah. and seeing how far Daniel Jones has come Me into too. being that offensive leader. And hopefully they'll be able to make the right roster moves, bolster that offensive line. Uh, I think th- that's one of the underrated keys to winning games in the NFL. I think you see with oh, Tampa absolutely. Bay, absolutely. you know, you got to protect your quarterback. For the longest time, I remember watching Green Bay and thinking, our offensive line is horrible. Everything else on our team just works, but our offensive line cannot protect the quarterback. It's massive. And I think that, um, going over to college, I think that might be Michigan State's come down Yeah, this I, year. I hope Michigan State uh, really is able to take advantage of this bye week and fix yeah. some offensive line issues. Um, speaking I, of, you want to just uh, go over to college football? Sure. We'll, uh, we'll move on to MSU football. Uh, you know, as I was saying, I hope we take advantage of this bye week, really sort out some uh, offensive line issues. We just we can't seem to find an offensive line presence that just allows for our offense to click. And it, it really scares me every time yeah. we go out on that field in the first half and it seems like we're getting beat. And I always think to myself, is this the game that's going to break Mel's streak? Yeah. And, you know, of course, then we come out in the second half, play really well. Our offense just seems to click in the second half, fire on all cylinders, and I love watching that team. But our offensive line really needs yeah. to do a better job at letting our off, letting Peyton Thorne breathe in that first half to establish a presence in the first half. I think that's going to be really important for this Michigan yeah. game. And that's the thing. you um, When the offensive line gets beat, the entire offense crumbles. You know, you see it happened in the Nebraska game. It happened last week to an extent. Uh, you see, like, it's not – when Kenneth Walker isn't going, when the offensive line doesn't do the jobs for him and he can't – he's not doing well, the, the whole offense – the receivers don't do well. The entire offense crumbles. Yeah, um, it, And I think it all can be traced back to the offensive line. Are they getting beat or not? Yeah, it, and I think, you know, Nebraska, Indiana, Rutgers, games that, you know, in theory are clear victories – and yes, we yeah. won. A win is a win. You know, keep chopping, as Mel Tucker always says. But they shouldn't be that close. Yeah. We've got, you know, for the first time in, you know, years, we have a quarterback who seems to be stable. We've got yeah. wide receivers that are incredibly promising. We've got arguably, and I'm, I'm going to take this position as a Michigan State fan, we got the best running back in college football. But our oh, offensive yeah. line does not give them room to breathe in that first half, and it really shows. And yeah. I think that if we can iron out some of those issues with this bye week, that will be the deciding factor of who wins this matchup on the 30th. Yeah. Now, do you, do you think it's good that we have a bye week prior to this, or do you think it's bad? With how our games have been shaping out, over the past few weeks. I think this bye week is a good thing. Uh, you know, it'll give us some time to rest. Of course, it means that we take some time off the game yeah. and don't really have that, you know, relentless mindset. But yeah. I think our offense and our defense are showing signs that they're exhausted. I mean, it's been constant one after the other, uh, especially these last four or five games have been much closer than they should be. So I think this bye week will be a good opportunity. Step back, watch some film, work on some basics, 
get back to, you know, here's what our offensive line needs yeah. to do. Here is how, you know, Peyton Thorne can connect better with receivers. And, you know, I think this will just give us some much needed time to plan for this game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and of course, Michigan had their bye week this past week. They're going against Northwestern. Everyone expects them to win. Uh, I hope they lose, but, you know, yeah. beware yeah. the trap game. You never know. What was I think it was Purdue beat Iowa. Yeah, you know? that was that. Purdue, I heard this like comment. Purdue exists to take down top five college football teams. That's the only purpose for Purdue for Purdue football. So I, do. I think it's really uh, there. There is always the chance that Northwestern can beat Michigan. Of course, yeah. last year they went all the way to the Big Ten championship. Yeah. It, it was the pandemic. We had a limited schedule, but it was all Big Ten games. So, you know, Northwestern is not a pushover. And with Michigan coming off a of bye week, there's always the potential you get ahead of yourself and you think, oh, we've got this game. We don't need to worry about it. You know, Northwestern could come out, punch him in the mouth and say, you know what? We're not we're not giving up ch- our chance here this yeah. game. Yeah. We're, we're coming in to win this. We're not we're not coming in being like, oh, we're going to lose. Especially coming off the bye week, I could see because they're all Michigan is focused on is October 30th, you know, and it's not like. And I think people underrate Nebraska seriously. They didn't. I Michigan probably should have lost that game. We probably should have lost against Nebraska. But compared to this Northwestern team, which I think in some ways is comparable to Nebraska, uh, they're you know they're not focused. I don't see them very focused on this game. I see them focused on the thirtieth. And as for the bye week, I've heard a lot of people say it's bad for MSU, and I do. I mean, I'd prefer to be in Michigan's possession, but uh. The way that this MSU team is in terms of no one is projected to be one of the worst, lesser teams in the Big Ten. Probably the biggest story, surprise story in college football. Um, it shows that they're a work in progress and they need, they need time to work on things. And I think having two weeks to be able to go over film, see what they can do to help the O-line. Um, I actually, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a huge huge advantage for state yeah uh moving on uh real quick to end this off today i think let's go ahead and talk about some of the mlb playoff action that's been going on uh it's been really exciting set uh set of series here uh i caught a little bit of the astros game yesterday they won nine to one against the red Sox in boston and to take the series three to two so they're one game away from winning it uh, I think, I think they still play at Boston tonight. Uh, I could yeah. be wrong on that, but you know, does Houston take the series tonight? What do you think? I so, I mean, everyone looks at the Astros, and I think where the Sox really lost it was uh, on Tuesday. And I thought, I thought the Braves it might be the same scenario for them. If you remember Tuesday, uh, Sox are up two to one in the first inning, have the lead the entire game, bottom of the eighth, they. Uh, top of the eighth, let up a run. Top of the ninth, Houston adds on seven runs. Um, and they, you know, they lose the game. That's after three games where they had three grand slams. I don't think three grand slams in three games of a postseason series, I don't think that's a record that we will ever see again. But I also, I, I'm not going to sleep on Boston. They've been a hot team. I, as much as I hate the Red Sox as a diehard Yankees fan, 
Also, this as a diehard Yankees fan, this is the hardest series to watch. Yeah, the, the, the worst history. thing is that someone's got to win. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Like, it's so hard to root for either, either team. Just wish everyone gets out. <laughs> Always. Um, but the Red Sox, you look at the Red Sox three weeks ago um, before the, uh, um, you know, before the postseason kicked off. Prior to their, uh, after their uh, series with the Yankees when we swept them at uh, Fenway, they couldn't beat the Orioles. They dropped two games to the Orioles. Um, and now you look at them, and they were, you know, two days ago, you have to, you think Sox are going to the World Series. Um, so I'm not going to sleep on uh, the Red Sox. Kike Hernandez has been an absolute beast um, the entire postseason. Um, so I do see, I see the Red Sox uh, winning, winning Game 6, and I think it's going to be a great Game 7. But I, I see them see them taking it to Game 7. Yeah, I, I still, I think the Astros have it. Um, whether or not it's tonight or tomorrow, I think is up for debate. Uh, I just think it, it really crushes you when you lose in such a big way at home. And I think that really has the potential to eat away at the Red Sox yeah. mentality. Uh, you know, of course they can always take advantage of being at home tonight and, you know, take the series to three to three force game seven, of course. Um, but I, I think the Astros really have that fortunate position of we just beat them at home really badly, and we're just going to get in their heads, and I think they can pull it off. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Dodgers at Braves tonight. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, Braves at Dodgers. Uh, last night, Braves won 9-2. to So we've got so yeah. really big wins for the Braves and the Astros last night. Uh, yeah. They now lead their series. Uh, Three to one. No. Uh, I think so. Uh, I can double check that, but there, yeah. let me. Yeah, it, the so the Braves lead the series three to one at this point. Uh, they play again in L.A. tonight. It is a must-win game for the Dodgers. I, I, yeah. you really got to pull off home field advantage and try your hardest. Uh, you know, I really thought that the Dodgers would win last night. But obviously wasn't the case. Uh, yeah. Braves can easily take advantage of the Dodgers in this scenario. Being one game away from taking the series, you're, you really just... If you're the Dodgers, you really got to sit your players down and say, we need this game. Yeah. You know, you've got you've to gotta win every game from here on out. Yeah. And I mean, 100%. In baseball, it is just a tough position to be in. Yeah. Because you could be up by a couple of runs and, you know, much like the Braves were on Tuesday and then yeah. fall short at the end of it. So you, you really just got to yeah. play these next few games 110% focused the entire way through. Yeah. Um, and I'm rooting for the Braves, so I hope I don't come back to regret saying this. But after, I think last night was the crucial game in the series. I thought after Tuesday when, yeah, the Braves... Was it Braves uh, let up four runs in the bottom of the eighth after winning the entire game? 6-5, if I'm not mistaken, um, to end it. Yeah, uh, and then winning the whole game, let up four runs bottom of the eighth, fumbled the bag, um, and now, you know, crucial game four. Can the Dodgers come back to tie the series? No, Braves kill them. I don't see, I don't see the um, Dodgers winning three in a row now. You know, that yesterday, 
was their time to come back and tie up the series, and they couldn't do it. So I mean, regardless of how uh, how game game five goes, I I see Braves winning game six. I I have to agree. I think last night's game was the deciding game in the series for the Dodgers. And you know you can try as hard as you want. You could win this. You could win tonight. You could win tomorrow. But ultimately, ultimately, <clears throat> I don't think you have the momentum to win three in a row against the Braves, who've been, you know, clearly dominating this series. Yeah, killing the postseason. Also, Freddie Freeman, one of my favorite players. I think he's the best first baseman in baseball. So, you know, is it possible for them to pull it off? Yes. Is it going to happen? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. So, but I think that'll do it for us today on Impact yeah. Sports Daily. Uh, I'm your host, Jacob Phillips, with my friend, Gavin O'Connor. And uh, have a good rest of your day. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily. Our thanks to Impact's general manager, Jeremy Whiting, station manager, Amber Kinetsky, and programming director, McKenna Lowndes. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports.